from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Now comes out high for a drive, stop, rebound, at the side of the goal, Marcheseau scores! Just as the penalty clock expires, Jonathan Marcheseau tucks it in at the left post. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Tuesday. Back after uh, President's Day, Adam Hill is here as a company. It's Cofield. Ari is steering the ship. So we have a, a busy day on tap. Got to get the official visit news out there for Derek Carr as he was with the Jets over the weekend. That's coming up later on. We'll get the opinion of Miles Simmons in hour three of the show, our National Football League insider from PFT. All-Star Weekend in the NBA. A lot of mad people I don't understand when we have these celebratory weekends. But, you know, I've done the rant about the Pro Bowl here in Vegas, so I'll have to do it again. You know, simply teasing ahead, it's not for you. And if it's not for you, we don't care if it's not for you. We don't want to hear from you. But we did get big news out of the baseball world. Uh, I know you're jealous every time I mention someone writing a book. We talked to a lot of athletes in their 30s who had written books already, guys who were transitioning out of the NFL. And I challenge you a couple times to, you know, when's your book coming? Nevada Sports Writer of the Year for 2022 and probably well, forever I've got moving some. forward. I've got some. Do you have? You have, you have you started writing? Got some ideas. Did you start like A-Rod this weekend? No. Just go outside. Uh, we're all assuming it was bottomless. I don't think it was. He was just, you know. But he had a piece of paper on his legs, bare legs, with the word book written on some A-Rod <laughs> stationery. Here we go. That's... As much as I would expect that he's going to do, write book. That's it? And then he's just going to talk to someone? He'll talk to someone and they'll write the book? Yeah, I think so. Well, I I don't even, I just think he's going to just turn in something that says book. That's it? And the publisher's like, yeah, this is not a a real book. I do think you buried the lead. What did, like, how did you spend your President's Day? That's, it's a big holiday for a lot of people. A lot of traditions, a lot of important things happen on President's Day. Did you look back and study the, the past President's? I did not. I did not do any research on presidents. Why is that a holiday? Uh, honor, I guess, some of the heroes of the past. Okay, fine. Why is it a day that everybody gets off? It doesn't make any sense. At all. And I don't mean here yeah. in the building. Huh. We, you know, everybody looks forward to every holiday they get, but I don't understand why we well, have a president's we know, day. We know Chris Berman probably went hog wild with his mention of Lincoln a couple of weeks ago after the Super Bowl. True. Sure. Making sure everyone knew who got the job done. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> And by the way, uh, look up look up what Lincoln was really doing. It's not that pretty. Uh, yeah, I, I this is yesterday, part of your research yesterday. Sure. Well, yes, I spend holidays how they're supposed to be spent, and I read a lot about presidents. Yesterday. I, I actually spent it by uh, spending money on uh, Main Street downtown. Yeah, not downtown downtown, but Henderson or <laughs> no, Water no, Street. No. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of brew pubs, some noshes here and there. Places, places were closed. That was weird. They were closed on President's Day. Why? I don't I, like it's. It is a day off for a lot of people. You like you might actually get business. Why would you close on of all days? Yesterday, it doesn't make any sense. I, I, I don't. I, I, I don't get I, it. The whole day. I multiple, spent. multiple places we went to. There was a there's a bar that is renowned for being open twenty four seven, and we pulled in. We're like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah, they're not open till seven today. Like what? But times are changing. Makes makes. Well, I hope everybody reflected on the presidents of the. I'm sure. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. I'm sorry, Barry, the lead. Is that um, what uh, A-Rod's book is about? I have no idea. I hope it's a tell-all about him and everyone else, Jeter especially. Will we get the full story about, you know, in 
going to the restroom in front of the open window? Maybe. He might, I feel like he's, he's probably told that somewhere. <laughs> I think he has. Do we get a lot of J-Lo? Do we get a lot of the female exploits? I'm all about that. Probably not. I feel like he's too corporate. He's going to write something kind of lame. Of course. It's going to be terrible. Just annihilate your relationship with Jeter. I also, or in honor... Jeter in describing your relationship with him. In honor of A-Rod, I did make this proclamation a couple weeks ago, and I I feel like you're in the same boat. I have never actually read a book. And I feel like most people have not. Read a book in your life? Cover to cover? The whole book? Not yeah. once. Yeah. Surprising from you. I've read a, I've read a lot, parts of a lot of books. Right. I've read a lot of, I read a lot of articles, a lot of yeah. narrative pieces, that sort of thing. Never enti- an entire book. Yeah, I saw a sports writer last week bragging that he had finished his sixth book of the month, a broadcaster, someone <laughs> in sports Twitter, but I, I didn't, it didn't impress me and I didn't, don't remember the name, but, but I, I also, remember seeing it and I was like, yeah, not me. My theory was that there's nobody that's read like one or two books or three books in their life. You've either read zero or like hundreds. Well, we've got one in studio. Maybe I've read, I read that one. Maybe you were leading to this one. Yeah, I read that I, one. Maybe, was this person a guest on one of the shows or sent us a free book? People are nice enough to send us free books with the hope of getting on the show. Uh, uh, Glenn Capoletto, Capoletto, Capoletto um, has a book about uh, you're in the front row, how to kick off your career in sports, even if you're not a star athlete. I mean, I, I might want to read this. It looks very big. It is long. Um, and that's the thing. I've read a lot of, like, even 80, 90% of a book. Right. I've just never read an entire 100% of the book ever. Well, this is going to cover a lot of what we have today on the show. Let's see. Um, they have a collegiate radio play by play voice. We're going to talk some college sports later in the hour with sure. Jay Tust, who does TV in Boise. Uh, from athlete to announcer, we're going to talk about Matt Ryan, who wants to be an analyst. We'll get into that. Uh, okay, here's sports reporting, blogger, stringer, photographer from the press box. Uh, what it's like working in the truck. This sounds actually sounds fascinating. Now someone can just read it to me. It looks it's or, like three hundred or, or make pages. a video out of it. Then I'm good. But it's it's a long book. It's I bet like, you I bet you it's awesome. It's like three hundred pages and it's huge pages. Two ninety two. Wow. By the way, I spotted big, that without even looking. Big writing too. Yeah. And the back has uh, like all the team contacts. It just has their main numbers. This is good. What we pur- stumbled. This was just sitting in here today. It was yeah. weird that you started out that way. Well, I don't. I just don't know what purpose it would be for anybody reading an entire book. It looks good, Glenn Capoloto. You're on the front row. Look it up. That's the kind of book I would read because you can read like certain chapters. You don't have to read the whole thing. That's right. what I would do. You could break it up. Yeah, break it up. You could use it as a tool in the future and give it to a young aspiring broadcaster. Or well, you could just tell them to hop on TikTok or start a blog, and they can become a star in like three months. But I would say, I would say, don't so, don't pursue. A I I talked to the SO the entire time, not the entire time, multiple times when we were downtown about these restaurants and businesses, and like what what not businesses, restaurants and bars, and what we liked and what we didn't like. And I kept showing her your guy Keith Lee. Are you in all in now? I'm. I think it's like one of the coolest stories ever. But it's also it's something we were talking about a few months ago. Uh, specifically about food critics, that people have built their entire careers, mostly in, unfortunately, in bougie fashion and kind of mean fashion. And now you've just got these people who are like, yeah, I'm just going to turn on a, a camera and I'm a thousand times more believable and relatable than you. Yeah. And like average per, average people just want other average people to tell them stuff and see pictures and maybe they're in, maybe they're out. He, we went to a place. So Keith, we, we told the story last week. We got to get him on down the road, but he's, his brother's a fighter. He's a fighter. Kevin Lee's a much bigger name in the fight world. Keith 
is, you know, a smaller level fighter, but he decided to start doing this thing. And he blew up, what, back at the end of December or January and made it to the Today Show because he saved a business over on the uh, Henderson Vegas border. And I was just looking at the counts on his videos because he's so popular. are all like somewhere between three and 35 million. Um, and he's totally honest. Like I watched him raid a place downtown, uh, not downtown, but uh, why, why am I not remembering the district I'm talking about? Why can't I remember where all these brew pubs well, it's are? Arts, arts district. Yeah, arts district. So I don't know why I, could, I can't remember that. But but he raided one place and kind of not annihilated, but he's just like everything, all the food between one and 10 was a three to five. And then I think wisely, instead of what one of the jackasses locally does, which is attack people on Yelp when they register a complaint about his joints, uh, this place went up and made their own video that got 1.8 million views. And he was like, I disagree with you on this and this. Come back and try it. You know, all that. It was like the you know, little trading of ideas. I, I think it's I think it's tremendous. And that, and to the to the point of this guy's book, there there are no barriers for entry for a lot of people. There's a lot more openings than there used to be. Frankly, you can just do it yourself. You don't need places like this. Yeah. You don't need places like your place. Yeah. And I mean, that's certainly one story. It's a very rare story, but I mean it's yeah. it's it's one path. It's how the you know the barriers of entry, as as you said, have gone away almost completely. And um, there, there's openings for people that are just creative and have ideas. Yep. <laughs> unlike, us, unlike us old stodgy morons. Well, I would like to get some good sources outside of the Harvester uh, blog. That's the uh, Camp Carr blog <laughs> on what's going on with Derek Carr and his visit to the Jets. Uh, big Roost, Diana Rossini, who's not big. She's very little, but, you know, big presence. Um, she said the New York Jets are really interested in Derek Carr. Nothing but positive reviews per sources. Uh, now they want to wait for Aaron Rodgers to emerge from the darkness. So we'll get into more of this because uh, I still think it's a weird thing, even for NFL Network, to consider this like the inside source. David Carr speaking on Derek Carr and his visit is bizarre to me. So we'll get to that in the 4 o'clock hour. Um, and I think we both believe this is going to be a long, protracted process. And I would advise every city that gets a visit from Derek Carr, give Adam Hill a call. And he can tell you what this is about and what's likely going to happen. Don't get overly excited because I'm seeing people in New York, media people who either are ignorant or they're incompetent because they don't call anyone who's been around Carr for the last eight years to get the real story. There's not, it's not anything like dirty. It's just about who he is. And you're saying they don't listen at 4 a.m. when I go on FAN and tell them? I don't know. I don't know what they do. I don't know what they do. I was proud of my guy, uh, Brandon Tierney, who's on WFN in New York, who who said a couple of good things, kind of seemed clued into who Derek Carr is and what Camp Carr is and, you know, where the Jets may stand. So VGK is on the road. They're in Chicago. They come out of the uh, break here pretty hot, well-rested. We're going to talk to uh, Darren Millard inside of 15 minutes. Um, they finally have to turn to another goalie here, right? Aiden Hill has just been played, you know, really, especially the first couple of games coming out. I mean, would they give up uh, five goals in four games? But... Got to have a little bit of relief here, so now it's time to turn to the guy who essentially is a number three in Brassois. Five straight wins, though. Yeah. They're, no, they're this rolling. is really good, but I, yeah. at some point, they're like someone else is going to have to contribute at goalie until Logan Thompson is back. Yeah, for sure. I was And I was I was like, I started thinking the other day, like, are we sure Leonard's out for the entire year? Yes, he is. He's, he's not going to go back. That's not going to happen. He's also got a uh, court appearance coming up on Friday, so uh, that's not going to happen. But, yeah, they, they do need to do that. And, look, one thing they have now is they do have a little bit of flexibility in the cap if they want to make a move here uh, at the deadline. But uh, it does sound like they think that Logan, Th- Logan Thompson is going to be going to be back before the end of the year. If he was going to be out Oof. the entire regular season, yeah. 
then they would absolutely go make a trade, I would think, for a for a goalie, use some of the cap space for Mark Stone being on LTIR uh, to bring a goalie in. But it doesn't sound like they think Thompson's going to be out for the full year. So uh, I think you know, the way Brassard was playing um, down in Henderson, I think that they're probably fairly confident that he can come in and, and play okay. Uh, he does make a little bit of money, so it changes their cap situation a little bit. But um, I think they're confident if, if they get Thompson back at some point that they, they still are good going forward. So it's funny when you asked me at the start of the show about President's Day and you're making your joke about doing research on presidents and you're asking me what I did. For a second, I was like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was all over the place. Nothing like, you know, super scintillating or important. I was in Boise, which was interesting. UNLV at uh, the uh, Broncos. They wound up losing. I did get to watch a little bit of All-Star Weekend, but, you know, like a lot of us now, and especially like the kids, I took in a lot of it on social media in clips. Yeah. But I was watching part of the dunk contest with uh, Jericho Sims and Trey Murphy and Mac McClung. And I don't know, I probably watched for like a half an hour at the most important times, like at the end. I thought it was awesome. And then I go to social media on Sunday and Monday, and it was like, everyone's mad about All-Star Weekend in the NBA. Everyone's mad about the NFL Pro Bowl. Everyone's mad about the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Why are we always mad? And when I say we, our age bracket, like, you know, you're an old guy now, you're 40 plus. Why are we, and it's not all of us, why are there so many of us, is it a hot take, hot shot? Like you just have to come out and be mad so that other people will counter you? Are we feeding the red meat to other, you know, 40 plus people? I don't, I watched and I was like, this is awesome. Jericho Sims is the most impressive leaper at 6'9 that I've ever seen in my life. He's got to get more creative. He can't do the same dunk kind of back-to-back. And Mac McClung's story is outrageous. He is one of the best all-time dunkers. Um, you can take the all-time dunkers that people harken back to, and I'm not sure that Dominique Wilkins or Michael Jordan or Go Small, I, I don't know, where do you want to go? Spud Ter- Webb. Spud Webb, <laughs> Terrence Stansberry, who did what, the 360? Yeah. All right? Um, I don't know that any of those guys could do what Mac McClung did, and I think that should be the discussion, not – who cares who this is? Sucks. Like, yeah. do you what? Do you well, know what you just watched? I, I do that think, was outrageously good. I do think it's genuine. I, I think I think that there's people, you know, that you say of your age group or whatever you want to say that are, you know, hey, this this is not like it was in the old. And I think I think they genuinely believe it. They're just wrong. Look, Michael Jordan would be booed out of the dunk contest if he did his dunks today. I'm not willing to say that because I. Th- I think the creativity didn't force you to get there. Like, I think the all-time great dunkers may be able to do it, but I can't say for sure. Like, I don't know that Dominique Wilkins uh, could Dominique Wilkins do what Jericho Sims was doing. No, I don't. I don't know. Mm. I, I don't. I never saw. And I love Dominique Wilkins, like one of the best power dunkers, and actually did it in games. Like, I don't remember seeing a replay of six eight Dominique Wilkins with his shin, his whole, his entire head above the rim. Well, would would those players be evolved thirty years and now do that? Yes, I guess Maybe. so. But I but. If they, if you just take those dunks yeah. that everybody remembers as well, the eighty-five dunk contest. Right. If you just take those dunks and put them today, oh, they'd get booed. They'd off the be floor. booed out of the yeah, arena. They were, they were horribly, and that's just true. Like, lactic create, you know, lactic any creative juice. No, the one argument I guess you could make is, hey, it's not the superstar players now that that are doing it. Fine, it's the best dunkers. That's what it should be. What's, by the way, what superstar players could out dunk these guys? Zion Williamson? No, no, but I'm Zion saying. Could. What I'm saying is back then you probably had players that were not known that could have been in the dunk contest and done better dunks than the players that were known. Kenny Walker won a dunk contest in what? Was it 89? 
and no one cared because he was in Europe three years later. There were there if you look through the history of dunk contests, this is not a new thing. And Stephen Ada, I mean, I again, a lot of it. This is produced stuff where it's like, hey, what are sure. we going to do today? I'm not saying everyone does that in the media, but um, to to come on Monday and be mad at LeBron James that he's ruined the dunk contest. First of all, it's not ruined, and Star started backing out of it way before LeBron was on the scene in the NBA. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Man, ain't no bad picks today. All these guys are great. Why does it sound like you're drunk? You all right? No, man. It's my mic. No, it ain't the mic. It's, it's you. It's the mic. Hey, what the hell are you drinking? It's my mic. I got a delay. <laughs> you always blame it on the equipment. Give me. I want to thank Patron for sponsoring Chuck today. <laughs> this is a dry state. This is a dry state. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. I mean, it was clear right there what was happening, right, Adam? How many shows have you started in Echo when you're on the road? Not oh. recently, because Ari's really good, but that Sunday morning show at the Westgate, you probably did every third show started in Echo, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, you That's really not ripping tell. on anyone. It happens in broadcasting, and I just love... They, they have such a beat-each-other-up mentality on that uh, you know show, or in that case, you know that pregame. <laughs> That they're all like, screw it, man. Chuck mocks hard. We're going to get on Chuck. But it was clear he was he was getting himself back in his headphones like a couple of seconds later. Darren Millard's with us. He's a broadcast professional. Darren, it happens, right? It happens, doesn't it? Yeah. And the first thing I do is rip my earpiece out. Yep. And I go solo. And the producer knows that it's my show for the next 10 minutes or so. Because I can't hear him. And I, I don't want to love- hear myself. Yeah, I love the dramatic ripping out of the earpiece. Yeah. Because then you're like, because it is impossible when it's coming back at you. Because that's what you do. You start speaking a lot slower so that you can hear yourself and not stumble. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, it's also great when you're the second person that's going to be asked a question or like on the <laughs> panel. And that the fear in that person's eyes that, that knows that the, the puck's going to be passed to them. And they're going to have to talk, and they can hear the echo, and they're trying to figure out what the heck's going on. So yeah. that's that's also one of my favorite parts. Yeah. It's fantastic. That's good insight, and uh, I think we've seen it happen live before. Uh, I do want to. I'm not going to. I don't want to call out any private conversations or anything that you have. But I was around you when you're having to talk the other day with somebody, and you were singing the praises of Las Vegas as a place to live. I'm glad to hear this. You are joining our club as people who are Chamber of Commerce of Las Vegas. But how long did it take for you to realize this is the best place on earth to live? Well, I, I came here uh, in the fall of year three, and I was my family was still back in Toronto, so it was a whirlwind. Like I literally landed and did a pregame uh, preseason game that night, and so it was a whirlwind right through Christmas, and uh, it was crazy. Uh, the, trying to get the, everything uh, transferred over and like legally and all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, the first year was a blitz, and then COVID happened. So uh, I'm I'm probably going to say the the first summer where you woke up and went, "This is what it's like every day," <laughs> and you, there was some sense of uh, family life and and uh, being able to experience a couple of things. And then as the world opened back up, you're like, "Wow!" So it's it's an evolving process because of being in in COVID. But uh, there's my my wife has already said like if if I ever go somewhere else. Uh, and I'm not planning on it, but she she just wanted me to know that I would be going 
by myself <laughs> and, uh, and and the kids and she would be staying. Uh, it's it's awesome. I I love like I'm not a big nature. I was never a hiking guy. I love hiking now, and <laughs> that might be because I'm getting older. But I just I just love everything part of it. Yeah, that's good. Just be out be out by yourself and just scream at the sun, and that's yeah. that's what and old I, people do. I, I honestly thought golf would be the best part outside of the the hockey rink, and I don't play as much golf as I thought because I'm doing other stuff. Yeah, uh, has that word got? It's it, we are still a new ish. Hockey market has that word gotten around yeah. the the league to where I mean this we are obviously we're attracting big players but that's going to continue with people knowing how great it is to be here right oh yeah yeah no I talked to uh, the analyst for the Chicago Blackhawks today Troy Murray and uh, he's uh, he's a guy that uh, that I've been friends with for a long time going back to our Winnipeg days and and he said to me he was like tell me like what's it what's it really like to live there what's what's it actually uh, like if, uh, I only see the strip and so I was telling him how. Uh, the thing that, and I use this as my comparisons because more people, uh, Western Canadians, are aware of it. I say it's Scottsdale, but with the strip. <laughs> so it's Scottsdale with a whole bunch of excitement thrown into it. So you get the the, the greatness and the relaxation and the the golf and the uh, hiking and the desert of Scottsdale, and then you've got this world class entertainment and sports uh, area uh, that's. 15 minutes away or 20 minutes away, depending on, on where you live. And if it's more than 30 minutes away, nobody goes <laughs> because true. there's no traffic. And, and if you're driving 30 minutes and, uh, and it's got to be really damn good to be able to, uh, to make you, to force you to drive more than 30 minutes. Well, the Golden Knights have been really darn good since, uh, since the yeah. All-Star break. Everybody I talked to on the team pretty much says it's rest. They got rested. They've been better. Uh, is it that simple? Uh, no, it's they're uh, scoring a bunch of goals, <laughs> and they they've been keeping the puck out of their net at uh, at an amazing uh, level. But would did the rest lead to scoring more goals? A little bit, but they've come out of it, and they they've got some new look in, in the lines, which I actually uh, didn't think that uh, uh, at first. I was like, I, I don't get a couple of these combinations. Uh, uh, where where where's it coming from? And Bruce Cassidy said Brett Hatton coming back allowed them to do some stuff in the fourth line. Which allowed Will Carrier to move up to the first line. Uh, they they've got uh, the misfits uh, somewhat split up, and it's it's worked uh, and, and it's balanced. Like we, they've got uh, five games with scoring a bunch of goals and only one game with a multi goal score. Uh, it's been totally spread around tonight uh, or this week uh, in the ability to to create a bunch of uh, offense. So that that's the part that's uh, that's impressed me. But the rest obviously uh, allows you to have a little bit more focus. Good Shane Natty and Dave Gosher are walking by, and they're <laughs> acting like total dorks. And I just want to acknowledge that their dorkiness is making me uncomfortable. <laughs> that is that's good. That's always yeah. good. Always good to see you guys uh, bonding outside the uh, the broadcast. That's fun. We, we we have a little game that we play uh, where if somebody else is doing a radio interview, you'll say, "Hey, um, in Canada, this is what we did." We say, "I'll give you a toonie if you mention my name." That's basically what they were doing right there. They wanted me to acknowledge on Cofield and company that, uh, that they were near me. Now Ashley Vice is coming by. So it's oh, like one yelling. extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Big stars. All uh, the big stars are out. All the the big way, stars are tell out. people in Vegas, where are you? Uh, I am in the hallway just uh, between the Golden Knights dressing room and the Chicago black dressing room of the United center, which is like 30 years old now. It's crazy. I, like I actually remember the old Chicago stadium. Half of Jordan's championships were one of the Chicago stadium. So, uh, I'm in the uh, United Center. Looking forward to it. Uh, one of my favorite rinks. 
covered a lot of Stanley Cups in this ring. Little insight that you probably already know, and I don't know if this changed uh, COVID and it's different now. Uh, the where the media dining is there. There's an amazing Sunday bar. I you know what? It's not there right now. Oh, I look best best media meal in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is Chicago. That's good. And then they would they would elevate it uh, during the Stanley Cup final, where it was like I would just hang out back there. Uh, but uh, but you're right. Like media meals and Sunday bars, world famous. But I went to the Sunday bar and it's not there. Did grab two humongous cookies to <laughs> to uh, to soften my uh, depression. Are you uh, are you going while you're in Chicago? Italian beef or deep dish pizza, which is not actually pizza. Deep dish pizza, which is uh, more of a lasagna, yes, uh, than uh, than, a, than a pizza. No, had it last night. Deep dish pizza, beautiful. Uh, we went when we were in New York a few weeks ago. We had pizza, and it was the thin crust. And while it was unique and it was fun, like, I left there needing more sustenance, and uh, I didn't need that last night with a deep dish pizza. I, 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 when you need the knife and fork and get right in there, like a stew lasagna. Uh, I, I was pretty happy, but you're right. It's not. It's not really a pizza. Will the uh, Knights finalize a trade for Patrick Kane while they're there? Uh, I don't think it'll happen uh, while they are here. Uh, Patrick, you know what? There's another player from the Chicago Blackhawks though, that I just want to throw out there in trade rumors. Not nothing to do with the, the Golden Knights, but Max Domi is a centerman slash winger, and uh, and I think that he's going to draw some interest. He's actually leading them in scoring right now and in point production. He's a free agent, makes about $3 million a year. Look for his name to pop up in trade rumors. But uh, I don't. Uh, Patrick uh, controls his own destiny. I was told that Toronto and New York Rangers were the two teams that he was looking at. He's from Buffalo. Uh, his dad uh, doesn't like to fly. Uh, he wanted to be close, and uh, Toronto doesn't fit, uh, especially after getting uh, Ryan O'Reilly and the Rangers acquired Tarasenko. So, uh, there's other possibilities, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Patrick Kane. New Jersey Devils, I, I have as a team that he could possibly get traded to or maybe not get traded at all. They're not going to trade Dave's. we got to close on this one. Um, yeah. Bruce Cassidy was on last week on the Press Box on the morning show, and he was talking about Will Carrier. I wanted you, the handyman, to hear this about Carrier. No, he hasn't yet. Our house is relatively new, but he's on call. He's on speed dial. Um, he's helped our video coach with his dryer. Uh, got that squared away. He's a coffee maker in the coach's office. That doesn't sound like much, but, you know, when all the lights are blinking, you can't figure it out. Uh, you know, you just unplugging and plugging back in works sometimes, but this time it didn't, so we have to call Will in. <laughs> all right. You or Carrier? Carrier. Really? Like he's, he, uh, he's really good. Like, really good. Uh, up another notch. Uh, Tom Monahan, the director of security, is also really good. And I would put, I would put Carrier a notch above Tom Monahan uh, because of his, his uh, just range. There's some plumbing in there. There's oh, some wow. electrical in there. There's some <laughs> small appliances in there with Will Carrier. It's really impressive. Uh, he did tell me, though, the only thing he doesn't do, one-timers. Because I saw him taking some one-timers at practice yesterday, and I gave him a big compliment. And he said, I don't get paid enough to take one-timers. That's for the high-price guys, uh, uh, which was a great line. But, uh, but I, uh, Carrier is outstanding when it comes to uh, that. Time. And it's all, all natural that he just grew up uh, acquiring that knowledge. So yeah. it's, it's impressive. I have a fridge that blew in the my backup fridge in the garage. I'm not getting it fixed. I just I need to find a good... Backup refrigerator. Maybe used, but... Will Carrier. 
Get him over nah, there. Nah, no one's going to fix it. The, the Freon, the Freon <laughs> leaked all out of it out of, onto the floor. It really? Shot. Yeah, it shot. Now, now you know the when you the the big big stuff like every month that you put in the curb and they take away. Can you get the? Will they pick up the fridge? It's or is that que- too big? It's a great question. I, I've seen them pick up everything else. I might if you know if I put yeah. it out there. If I put it out there, someone will just take it. That's the way Vegas works. I uh, you know I I got a dog uh, food container like one of those big high volume dog food containers. I, I admit that I picked that up the curb. Uh, a week ago. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. I don't usually do that stuff, and I drove a block and a half away and then turned around and said, screw it, I'm going back for that thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really handy for my labs. Is it good? It works? It's good? It works It works great, but those things are expensive, and it holds yep. like two of the big bags worth of food yep. that I don't have to be trucking stuff back and forth. Now, pet stuff is so outrageously expensive. Yeah, and, that, and, I, and I, I felt no shame at all. Good for you. Yeah. All right, Darren. Well, we appreciate it. We didn't get too much hockey because Adam, uh, that was his fault. But uh, we'll catch up with you next Tuesday, and let's see if the Knights can get it done, keep the uh, winning going in Chicago. I like hanging out with you guys. There you go. That was nice. That's a nice compliment. Darren Millard, even though he's at United Center, um, that is a fantastic arena for how old it is. Yeah. It, very, It's gigantic, too. Like, you know, you go to a lot of arenas, and they're kind of all dime a dozen. You walk in there, you're like, whoa. The house that Jordan built, like, absolutely housed some of the the greatness, a little bit of the, well, a lot of bit of the Blackhawks and certainly of the Bulls. Wednesdays, it's the Kevin Kruger Radio Show at 5 p.m. on Raider Nation Radio 920 a.m. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. We'll get back to a little Vegas Golden Knights as they uh, drop the puck at 5.30. Make sure you listen to uh, all the lead-in pregame coverage over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. As Darren Millard just joined us, uh, Ryan the Hockey Guy will lead you into the Blackhawks tilt against the Knights. So we had, what, like three slow days in the NFL? We really don't have any slow days. But no. now it's time coming up here with the franchise tags. And this, this story across the league is going to be gigantic, especially – at some of the skill positions at quarterback, because we got the Danny Dime story to get to later on, and with the Raiders, with Josh Jacobs. So what's the deal here? What's the timeline? Yeah, they've got until March 7th is the date that they have. They have a couple weeks here coming up to make that decision on those guys. And it's not final. Obviously, you can tag a guy and then work out a deal later if you want to. Um, you do have teams like the Giants, as you mentioned, which I think is is more intriguing than anybody. They've got two two of the top like seven or eight candidates are from the Giants. Who are they? Uh, Daniel Daniel Jones and Saquon, so they're gonna have to work out a deal with one of them because they can't use the tag on both of them, uh, which would be very intriguing as well. Uh, there's a lot there's a lot of moving pieces here to come up, and there's you know a lot of guys that you expect are gonna be free agents that aren't because they're gonna get tagged, um, and it's not it's not a pleasant situation. You heard Josh Jacobs say like, "What happens if they tag you?" And he said, "Hero to villain," like that that's what he said. He's not so gonna be the team or him. Him, he said he said, "You know, I'm the hero. I'll be the villain." Because I'm not going to be happy, and I'm going to, you know, I'll be well, you know, mal- malcontent. I guess is the right word. I believe things have changed over the years. Not enough that fans will all side with the player, but the way this thing started by not picking up his deal, and then him going out and having a kick-ass year, and really saving their season just to get the six wins. They could have been a four-win team without him, a three-win team without him. I think there's going to be a lot of fans who are not going to look at him as a villain. That he should be paid long-term. That he should be signed. 
to something with some real juice to it, not a one year deal. And there's but, so- but then but there are the fans who just don't like players. Um and will always side with for some reason the people that they don't like at work, their bosses, they love the bosses in the NFL. Well, in this case, the, the running back situation is completely different, too, because I, I would make the argument that he absolutely deserves a ton of money and that the team absolutely should not pay it to him. Like, I, like that, that, that is, those, th- those two things that are a possible. team or this team? No team should. Yeah. No team should pay a running back a ton of money. They just shouldn't. But they deserve it. Like, I, 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 I'm Would it make you hoping... feel better if it was a two-year deal for, like, $44 million? No. Like, he gets the most money in the league, but it's only two years. Still no. You can't de- devote that much of your cap to a running back. You can't. It doesn't work. And you go back what if and they look, already know they're going to have a bridge quarterback who's only going to make like 15 to 18 mil only. It, it helps for I mean, sure. Obviously, they can't, they can't you know, give some 44 million two year deal to Josh Jacobs and then go, hey, we're also going to trade for Aaron Rodgers at 50 plus. Yeah, I, I, but I just I did just look at the chart. And it, just because it's the it's the case doesn't mean it's always the case. We talk about rookie rookie quarterbacks. Look back at what the highest excuse me what the leading rusher on the Super Bowl champions have been paid over the last decade. Look at what that number is. Nobody that wins pays running backs. That's just the reality. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ, or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. This sports update brought to you by the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Don't miss the 2023 Mountain West Conference Tournament March 5th through the 11th at the Thomas & Mack Center. Get your tickets now at dmw.com slash 2023. It's a long grind of season and they're playing at a high level night in, night out. That's what it takes. And the, you know, our next one, we need it sold out to the rafters. It's going to be a big one in the seasons we're building and these are the opportunities that you want, and this is exciting. And our guys are embracing it and enjoying every second here, especially at Extra Mile. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Leon Rice enjoying his time, enjoying this year. Good crowd. On Sunday night, weird spot, right? Jay Tusta was out at the game. He's one of the TV guys locally in Boise, and he also does uh, BJ Reigns, Bronco Nation News. Uh that is an awesome feed for uh, not just Boise State stuff, but Mountain West stuff. Uh, Jay is in with Cofield and Company. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, fellas. Uh, just got out of swim lessons with my three-year-old daughter. <laughs> she got a uh, backfloat ribbon for bravery today. So yeah. um, every, everything's good right now. Yeah, we're feeling good about ourselves. All right. Is, good, is she good learning or you? Hey, good question. It's her. Uh, definitely her. I sink like a rock. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I want to get into the game, the particulars of the game against UNLV on Sunday, but I just wanted you to comment on what Leon Rice was saying there and the, the vibe and the crowd. That was a, a really good crowd, probably you know 85% sold out. Um, the vibe to me always seems weird in Boise, even with all of Rice's success. Like Everyone's not bought in, and I don't know why they're not. Yeah, it's a great question. In all honesty, I go back to even – the, the football uh, program when it was, you know, at, at, the, at its peak in like 2008, 9, 10 in those years. And uh, the program got a ton of rec- re- uh, national recognition then. And I don't really want to say that it kind of spoiled the fan base, but gosh, did it set an unrealistic bar in some ways. And so you really have to win at a high level to, uh, you know, push Extra Mile Arena to its full capacity. Getting to 10,000 is a nice accomplishment, but um, it's, it's been a little bit of a challenge, I would say, 
for Boise State to really grow and push this thing to uh, you know as big and as, and as bad as it possibly can be. They're getting there, but it's it, it definitely has taken um, some time to do it for sure. What do you think of the game itself? Uh, UNLV hung tough, uh, minus a couple of important players, and and pushed it to the brink. I was really impressed with UNLV fellows. Like you know, when it when it came to um, you know Boise State getting a win, they they found a way. But UNLV made eleven threes on Boise State, and you know it gave them a chance to maybe pull an upset in Boise when Leon Rice's teams give up ten or more threes. You know during his tenure, it it really turns into a coin flip. They're exactly five hundred when they give up ten or more threes. So uh, UNLV did what they had to do, and then defensively they they did a pretty good job too. I was looking this up right before I came on the show, and I didn't realize how much of a line in the sand is drawn when UNLV. Uh, limits opponents to 75 points. When they give up under 75 points, they're 14 and one this season. And the and the one loss for UNLV was against Boise State. So uh, the Broncos found a way on a night where UNLV played some really inspired, good basketball. Who's the best team in the Mountain West Conference? I think it's San Diego State. I, I do. I, <laughs> their, their, their depth is just it's unreal. And you know, I, I think that I. Boise State starting five, I think, is as good as any in the Mountain West. But San Diego State has this luxury where they can have, you know, their leading scorer, Matt Bradley, uh, have an off night and have their bench, you know, carry them with 20 or 30 combined points. There's just not a lot of teams around the league that can do that. I mean, Utah State's got a little bit of depth, but they don't play defense like San Diego State or Boise State for that matter. So, I think that San Diego State's the team to beat right now due to their depth, and especially when everybody travels down to Las Vegas here in a few weeks for the conference tournament to play three games in three days. You're going to have to rely on some production outside of your starting five without a doubt. What is the best-case scenario for Boise in the postseason? I mean, the best-case scenario is is grabbing a one-seat at the Mountain West Conference Tournament. They, they still have a chance. I mean, they host San Diego State here in a couple of weeks, and you know, the thing that's pretty remarkable about Boise State, they made a lineup change uh, a few, uh, a a week or two, well, I guess it would have been three or four weeks into the season, where they put Najee Smith, who was supposed to be their sixth man, into the starting lineup. Now, when Boise State has had both Najee Smith in their starting lineup and a healthy Marcus Shaver in their starting lineup, they're 17-2 and this season, and their two losses are each by two points on the road by two points at Nevada and by two points at the Pitt in Albuquerque. I mean, those are respectable defeats without a doubt. So if they have those guys healthy, I think I certainly think they have a chance to beat San Diego State at Extra Mile Arena here in a little over a week. Um, more realistically, I think they're looking at the two or three seed, and um, that would be a great pass for them. When it comes to the NCAA tournament, you know, I think that they have, including the Mountain West Tournament, they have four guaranteed games left on their schedule, right? Or excuse me, five guaranteed games left on their schedule. If they can win any combination of three of those, yep. I think they have an excellent chance on Selection Sunday. All of our Mountain West Conference conversation uh, around the league any day is brought to you by the Mountain West Conference Tournament right here in Las Vegas. You can grab your tickets at umltickets.com and Jay Tuss covers the Boise scene uh, on TV is one of the local sports guys. Yeah, left they have New Mexico at San Jose, home San Diego State at Utah State. If they did go 2-2 two and two and then lost 
in that first day uh, that they would play because they're still going to have a high seed. I don't think they'd make the tournament because re- even the season they've had right now, if you look at bracketology at a bunch of different places, they're on the bat. I mean, they're on the edge, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because I, I actually, I think they're right there with San Diego State. It's just something about this conference, and then the, now the bottom of the conference I think is dragging down the top. Yeah, it it drives me a little crazy. I mean, I don't know how much you guys pay attention to Net and Ken Palm and all that stuff, but especially when it comes to the average net rankings, the, the Mountain West is the fifth-best average score this year at 87 and change. Last year it was like 113. I mean, the league from top to bottom is stronger than it was last year, and last year they got four teams in the dance. And so it would, it would be really a, a travesty, I think, if they don't get at least three in this year. I feel like Boise State is deserving to be one of those three, but you're exactly right. If, if, if they go – Two and two, and then lose the opener at the Mountain West Conference tournament. They will be ex- sitting on edge um, come Selection Sunday. And heavens no, they don't want to go back to Dayton because Dayton has never treated them well. They've gone twice. The first time they ran into a LaSalle team that shot like sixty-five percent from the field. It felt like they couldn't miss. And the second time they had to play Dayton in Dayton on their home floor. <laughs> I don't know what the fairness in that was. I don't know if it'll ever happen again in the NCAA tournament where a team gets to host a home game like that on their home floor, but. Uh, Boise State certainly doesn't want to go back to Dayton. So Jay does Bronco Nation news with BJ Reigns, and I'm sure you guys got into this today. Did you see the other side come out of the New Mexico uh, Boise uh, reported clash with like baseball players down at the pit around the locker room? And um, Jeff Grammer got, I guess, some of the police reports. What'd you make of all this? Yeah, it's interesting. We asked Leon about it today, and he said that he's ready to move past it, and that he feels <laughs> like he resolved whatever he needed to with New Mexico. Uh, fellas, that's, that's a weird one for me. I don't even know where to go with it at this point. It's a lot of he said, she said, but Leon's willing to let bygones be bygones and put it in the past. I will say this, Jeff Grammer is really good at what he does. Yep. And the story was originally sparked by BJ in, in his post-game reporting. So I admire those guys and what they do. And I suggest that, you know, check out, check out the work that they put in on, on both on, the, on this story. Cause it's, um, it's interesting, but as far as Leon today, said he saw it he's uh, he's ready to move on he feels like things have been resolved apparently i was thinking of how to phrase this question but i'll just say it this way is leon rice <laughs> as unlikable as everyone else in the league seems to think he is it, uh, gentlemen it's i i tell you man he is an extremely likable human being like we have all worked with coaches and dealt with coaches that are not this way that don't really treat you as humans or anything like that and i i gotta say uh leon rice is is a, is a very personable guy he, uh, he's very, you know, he's a guy that after we show up on, you know, whatever days, like, thanks for coming, guys. There, there are coaches that don't show appreciation like that or even think about you like that. So um, it's kind of crazy to me, but I also think that he's earned it because I think it means that they're winning. And, and you know, you, t- you just don't like – people don't like winners. Like, yeah. I mean, this is what it is, right? It adds to the, the fuel to the fire, the competition, all that stuff. Like, I don't really remember this storyline – more than two years ago, and it turns out, you know, over the last two years, Boise State has won at a higher rate than normal. So we'll see where it goes from here. But he actually, he truly is a pretty nice dude, guys. KTVB sports guy Jay Tust with us. Uh, Jay, we appreciate a couple minutes. We'll uh, try to catch up with you. We want to catch up with you during the tournament because as you and I were talking off the air, the tournament's going to be freaking really heated, and I think a lot of fans are going to show out this year. I agree, Steve. And by the way, i got to get my Twitter game up. Uh, you're extremely impressive when it comes to the, the amount of uh, 
work you put in during the game, pictures, everything. By the way, <laughs> the guy that you took a picture of that had 71 fouls uh, or, or, yeah. or called for 71 fouls, um, that's actually Matt Bauscher, one of the biggest boosters okay. of the program. He used to play for the program, so he's an pretty he's a pretty intense dude. And I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm almost laughing they put you right next to him. Yeah, he was. He was fired up. Uh, Jay, I appreciate it. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I'll have more on that that picture I took, mentioning the 71 fouls. Because there was a moment where the guy kept clapping right in front of my face. Good thing I didn't do anything.